Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey ladies, I am back and it's been a very hectic, crazy, stressful weeks of planning the summit, which by the way was incredible. I'm like still on cloud nine. We reached about 200 women in the DC metropolitan area and we had a real talk on fertility, infertility and body image with the top women's health experts. It was amazing. And if you missed out, you can check out the photos on Instagram. The details are in the show notes. Make sure you don't miss the next one whenever that happens because y'all, I'm looking for sponsors. We need the sponsors. Uh, But it was was really beautiful. We left empowered in our fertility and health. And I'm so excited to continue these conversations on our podcast. And I actually did our first live recording at the summit um, where we interviewed these two ladies on the surrogacy and egg donor process. And we'll have that live on the podcast in the upcoming weeks. But y'all, I was I was so nervous. I felt like I couldn't really get into it because I was like, all eyes are on me right now. This is a lot. Whereas when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm just by myself or I'm with a guest. We're using a platform and we can just see each other virtually and have the conversation. But y'all like 200 people staring back at you trying to do a live podcast is something I need to get used to. But yeah, I was like super nervous. I was I was really nervous. <laughs> so I was so happy when it was over, but it was exciting. Um, it was it was so great. So you'll get to listen to that in a couple weeks. But yeah, we're not quite done with our fertility series. We still have a few more episodes after this one on fertility with our special guest. So get excited. This is valuable information we need. So I cannot thank our special guests and experts enough for helping us bring these topics to the spotlight. Today, we are talking about the mental health burden of fertility and health challenges and even things like body image. And I'm in conversation with Dr. Amber, who is actually a moderator of one of our panels, which was the Real Talk panel at our summit with our amazing speakers, Dr. Sarhan, who is a fertility doctor, um, Audra Lee, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, Joanna Pustelnik, and she's a women's health dietitian, and Dr. Sophia, an acupuncturist, and Dr. Amber killed it. Okay, she killed it. So Dr. Amber is a licensed clinical psychologist and mother Hood Wellness Consultant. She is also the founder of Balance Working Mama. They also have a podcast where the mission is to completely change the narrative of what is possible for working mothers by helping them to better balance work, motherhood, and wellness. And we had an amazing time at the summit. I'm so happy she was able to stop by and do her thing. So you guys are going to love this episode. Just, you know, sit back and relax and let's get into it. Hey, Dr. Amber, welcome to the show. Hi, I am so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, So first thing is first, tell the listeners about yourself and what led you to build this community for millennial moms. 
Yes. Um, so my name is Dr. Amber. I am a clinical psychologist by trade. And so I, I, I work full time as a psychologist in the D.C. area. But um, on the side, I also am working on building a, a really amazing community for millennial moms. It's called Balanced Working Mama. And our, our the purpose of our community is really to help millennial moms to find more balance and wellness in motherhood. And I just think that's so important for us, because as moms, we often put ourselves last. We forget about our needs. Everything else feels like much more of a priority. But Balanced Working Mama really teaches us that we are equally as important. And sometimes, honestly, we might be more important because if we're not taken care of, we cannot take care of our families and our children. And so what led me to start that community is honestly, you know, me wanting to live a life that felt balanced and included wellness as I became a mom. I'm still somewhat of a new mom. My oldest is three. My youngest is one. And so I am on the quest of really redefining what motherhood looks like for me and I'm so passionate about helping other women do that too. I love the work you're doing. And she has such an amazing community. I mean, super engaged and it's amazing. So I, I can't wait one day to hopefully be able to meet some of your community members as well. But I love all the work you're doing. It's very practical, realistic, and it's it's just, um, it flows, you know, um, for this type of, you know, age group or population that, that we have going on here. Um, and so... I want to just say, yeah, like we're talking about mental health today, mm -hmm. which is very crucial. It's very vital. Mm -hmm. It's essential. What yeah. else should I add? It's it's necessary. And we know by now, I think all of us, it's nothing new. We know how important it is to like prioritize our mental health through the ups, the downs of life. And these past few episodes, we've been discussing fertility and infertility. And I think the topic of mental wellness is very well linked to all of this. And, um, I don't want to leave this piece of the puzzle or the piece of the health puzzle rather out of this, this picture or this topic or these topics. So first I would like for you to really break down what is mental wellness, because we can always use it a reminder and why is it, is it so important, especially when dealing with these kind of health challenges? Right. Mental wellness, emotional wellness, you know, sometimes people use the words interchangeably. They're extremely important because it really is like the the backdrop and the foundation of everything we do. You know, I think sometimes as women, um, we get so focused on like the practical, the, the, the functional parts of our mm -hmm. lives, you know, like, are we taking care of our children? Are we getting to work? Are we getting all the things done? Are we checking off our list? And we assume that, okay, if we're getting all those things done, then everything's fine. But sometimes, you know, we can be getting all these things done and still mentally and emotionally not be well. So our mental and emotional health really makes up our thoughts, our feelings, our opinions, our, our beliefs um, about ourselves, other people in the world. So really the things that's going on in your mind, sometimes people might say the things going on in your heart, um, really make up your mental and emotional health. Um, people sometimes are afraid of that because our mental and emotional health can feel very personal. It can feel very vulnerable. A lot of us grew up in families where we, we just didn't talk about those things. Nope, it was, you know, you're not supposed to talk about it. So it can feel super vulnerable to really start talking about mental and emotional health but really you know now we're just trying to normalize it's really just how you what you're thinking and how you're feeling and sometimes you know our thoughts and feelings can be beneficial and serve us and really move us forward in our lives and sometimes our thoughts and feelings might really um 
hurt us. Sometimes they might harm us. Sometimes they might um, not be as supportive uh, for our goals and, you know, the things that we're trying to accomplish. And sometimes they're just neutral. And so really, you know, mental health is just making sure that those thoughts, those feelings, the things going on inside of our mind and our hearts um, are serving us well so that we can continue to move forward in life. That was such a great explanation. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and that's it. And I, I like to really just make it very plain and simple to people. And this is something that everyone has. So it's it should never be something that people feel ashamed about or embarrassed about because we mm-hmm. all have mental and emotional health, all of us. Yeah, and I think still till this day, because I've even more so recently, I've heard comments like, oh, I mean, it's it's still like stigmatized, mm-hmm. you know, it's still like, I mean, especially like in my community um, and the adults that I have in my life, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you, you know, I mean, what do you have going on that you need to see a therapist? Or, I mean, you're not crazy. So why you gotta, I mean, what do you mean by crazy though? First of all, exactly. like, it's, I mean, there's still, I feel like, I don't know your thoughts around it, but I feel like there's still a lot of stigma around, around that. Absolutely. And I, you know, I do think that we've come such a long way because what I often do, I think a lot about like my parents' generation and for them, it was like, absolutely not. Like you said, like, well, what do you mean? You're not crazy. You know, mm-hmm. what, what do you have to see a therapist for? Um, but now I think our generation, we talk about therapy more, we talk about That's mental true. health more, but there's still these hidden stigmas. You know, I think sometimes for all of us, even as people our age, um, we still sometimes feel this embarrassment or this um, shame around it. And I just think with more conversations like this, it, it will help so that, you know, our kids won't won't even think to be embarrassed or shamed about this because it's just so normal, right. you know, but I agree with you. I think there is still so much embedded in like culturally in our beliefs about, you know, mental and emotional health, not being okay to talk about. Yes, absolutely. So lately, <laughs> a lot of my friends who are married and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experienced this most popular question, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> when are you having kids? And if you already have one, it's like, okay, so when are you having more kids right. or like, let's start with this, right? Because as annoying as it gets, I just still don't understand why, um, you know, people just can't be sensitive to these types of questions and people assume it's just easy to just, you know, pop out babies. I mean, maybe someone just had a miscarriage or they're just, they're having a really difficult time trying to conceive. Plus secondary infertility is also very, very real. Um, You know, maybe you had one child and it's really hard to conceive again and, or you're going Mm -hmm. through fertility treatments or you don't want any kids at all. So the list really goes on. And um, I mean, most times people mean well, but I mean, can you just share why this is so harmful. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I want to go back to what you said. Most times people do mean well, and we know that there's a difference between impact and intent. Um, Yeah, maybe they don't intend to be insensitive or to hurt someone, but the impact is that it, it very much oftentimes when we ask, you know, people this about their very personal choices with regard to their family, it can be harmful and hurtful and not helpful and really just invasive. And so I think, um, you know, now we're seeing as a, as a generation, as a society that, you know, the, the, the decision to 
have a child, the decision to um, work on building a family, growing a family is something that is so personal and really no one is entitled to that information, but you and your partner um, or your family. And so I think the harm in asking people these things is that one, and you alluded to this already, we have no idea what might be going on for that person in their pursuit of this you know, this choice, this decision to have children or to make a family, have a family is such a personal one. And there's a lot of complicated feelings around it. Um, But also there can be a lot of complications with it. So let's, for example, let's say um, we have a woman who maybe just miscarried um, a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago, and then she goes to, you know, a very benign, regular gathering, family gathering, and someone's asking her, okay, well, what's, what's, what's the whole Hold up, hurry. Mm-hmm. When, when are you having your child? That right there could trigger a lot of anxiety for her. Mm-hmm. It could trigger can trigger, you know, feelings of depression for her, um, grief, because mm-hmm. mind you, she might still be going through a grieving process while she's trying to understand and cope with the loss that just occurred. Um, it could also trigger these really um self-defeating feelings about herself and her body. And so all the while you think that you've asked a very innocent question, but it triggered all these feelings, all these emotions for her that really just don't serve her in that moment. And so I think we have to be very careful and mindful about things like that. We really just have no idea. Or, you know, another example, and I know that you're going to have your event soon. And so this one will be super relatable. We might have a woman who is going through fertility treatments Mm -hmm. or, you know, has struggled with infertility and someone saying, well, you know, you've been married for a while. What are you all doing? When are you going to have the baby? It's like so crazy. And they, (laughs) yeah. And and this person has no idea that this woman has gone through treatments for five years, (laughs) six years, 10 years. Yeah. Multiple, multiple, multiple failed attempts, like multiple and no clue. And so how, how is she supposed, how is she supposed to answer that? How is she supposed to show up? And so I think one thing I love about social media and also the millennial generation and and Gen Z, we are being more transparent about things that are happening for us. And so now people are seeing like, oh, this might be what's happening in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now we can understand a little bit more. There's so much to that question that we just are not entitled to, to be honest. And so I think that's why, you know, we really, we are not entitled to that information. It is a very sensitive subject. It is a very personal choice. And that is not something that we should be asking people if they have not invited us into that conversation on their own. Yeah, I think, you know, like, let's say you, you do know, you know, someone who's um, undergoing fertility treatments, um, what are some comments of what not to say, whether that's to a family, a friend, a loved one? I mean, I think it's number one, important to reduce the stigma. And you, you mentioned that, like, you know, this generation, we're more vocal in sharing our personal experiences. Um, And I think too, it's, it's like, how can we just um, offer words of support, but some people may just not know what to say, or it may feel awkward, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to say the right things, but you feel like, you know, you might say the wrong thing. You don't want to add more fuel to the, I don't don't know. You don't want to like, what is that phrase they say about like an open, um, you know, I think, you know, I'm trying to get to, but, um, it's like, what, what are some things to not say? 
to not take. Yeah. And so if you do know someone who, who possibly maybe is going through, you know, trying to conceive or fertility issues, some things not to say. And also I'm going to say that these things on the surface might feel like things you should say. But these are things not to say. So one, I think sometimes when people are wanting to just be encouraging, they'll say, oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. Just keep on. It'll happen. And the concern with that, that form of encouragement is that while it's, it's, you know, positive, seemingly is trying to be encouraging, telling them to keep going. It's possible that it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think that we just have to validate that for the person going through this treatment or this this journey. Um, it's possible that it could happen and it is possible that it, it won't happen. And so we we want to validate that because, you know, that that woman or that person who's going through treatment, um, they also might be grappling with the realities of the situation that it could or could not happen. Right. Mm. And so we don't want to be invalidating of that other part. You know, I think sometimes people just want to throw all the positivity at the situation when really, you know, the, the reality is um, it could or could not happen. Mm-hmm. And that person has to, you know, learn to cope with that reality on their own, but we don't want to dismiss that that reality for them. So I think that's one thing to really just be careful about like this over positive attitude of like, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Um, you know, I think for mamas or women who are going through secondary infertility, something that they often hear, and I don't think people should say, again, it sounds positive, but sometimes people will say things like, you know, well, just remember you, you have a child and, you know, they, they bring you joy, you know, you already have a child. So don't worry if you can't, mm. can't do it oh again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that also is, you know, while that person is trying to be encouraging, trying to, you know, maybe reframe for them that they already have this, this spot of joy in their first child, it's invalidating because, you know, yes, and like, yes, yes, that person does have their, their first child and, and that child I'm sure does bring a lot of joy and they're not being able to conceive the second time or this third time or fourth time is still a pain point. And we don't want to dismiss that. We don't want to ignore that. We don't want to invalidate that for them. So, you know, being careful around that, not, you know, just dismissing the fact that, you know, yeah, you have a child already that that's not okay because it's invalidating of their current experience. Um, I think one more that I'll share, and this often comes up for people who maybe have family or friends who are spiritual or religious. And and this is, this is a tough one too. Talk about it. (laughs) You already know where I'm going to go with this, you know, just pray about it Mm. or, you know, just take it to God or pray about it or meditate on it and it'll happen. Or like, you know, well, have you gone to church? Have you, have you, you know, you shouldn't have doubts because we know that that. So what I'm trying to say is there's nothing wrong with spirituality. There's nothing wrong with faith. You know, I, I am a woman of faith Mm -hmm. and I know that for people going through this experience, we have to be very careful about our language with that because, um, prayer and meditation might not make this happen. And people might have varying beliefs about that, but it's possible that prayer and meditation is something that she's doing and doing constantly. And still, you know, the reality might be that this might not happen, right? And so we don't want to be invalidating, but also with that, it can place undue blame 
on that that person or that woman going through fertility treatments or trying to conceive because then it might lead them to believe, well, it's because I'm not praying enough or it's because I'm not meditating enough. It's because I'm not, you know, spending enough time with God. And, and that's just not, that's not true. And so it, we just have to be so careful, so mindful, because we do want to show up for people who might be going through this and, and struggling, but we want to be so careful with our language. And honestly, one of the best approaches, I think, um, to support people is just really ask them, like, how can I show up for you? You know, what is it? what is it that you need? You know, how can I support you today? Or offering to do something for them, <laughs> something yeah. nice, something kind, something gentle, um, you know, but if you are stuck, just ask, just ask, you know, say, I want to show up for you, but I, I'm not sure how, and I would like to. So how can I, how can I show up for you? Can I buy you some groceries? Can I spend some time with you? Can I take you to lunch? Um, those are, they're much, um, more beneficial ways to support someone. I love that. And everyone's needs is going to be totally different, you know, yeah. from, from another. And so I like that. It's like, how can I support you? on, you know, right now, what do you need? Um, and you know, it's, I feel like sometimes maybe they may not know. And it's Mm -hmm. like, whatever response they give you, it's, you take it and that that's it. Yep. Yep. And even then you could follow that up with, well, I just, I want to offer a listening ear or just call to check in. Just check on them. Say, how are you doing? Like you can get both, keep it simple in that way. And also be mindful that the needs might change. And so continue to check in just because you checked in this month and they said they don't need anything. Maybe next month they might. And so just continue to check in and just, you know, show that you're, you're wanting to be a supportive friend or family member for them. I, I love that. I remember, um, I, I knew someone who, or I know someone who underwent like fertility treatments. And one thing that she told me was that, um, someone was very surprised to know that she was having a difficult time, you know, trying to conceive because she was young. The person was like, but you're young. What do you like? Really? But you're young. It's like, what do you, you know, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I always, um, I've heard this too, where it's like, people would say things like, oh, you know, um, you just need to stress less and, you know, mm-hmm. things will come easier. It's just, you're stressed. The body needs to relax a little bit more. No, ma'am. <laughs> I'm like what? First of all, first of all, that might not be true. Right. You know, my level of stress might not have anything to do with, you know, my body's ability to conceive or not right now. But then also this is a stressful situation. Yeah. So it, it, again, it puts the blame back on that, the woman, that person, um, as is in to say, well, it's because you're stressing. So you should stop. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to stop, um, stressing about this thing? That's very important to me when also this stress might not have anything to do with my ability to conceive. So, Again, it's, it can be so complicated because again, the intention is to, you know, be helpful, be supportive, but we have to just be very, um, we have to be more mindful about the things that we say to people who are going through this. Um, I know this, you mentioned this too, like anxiety, um, depression, all these types of, um, you know, mental health challenges that may come with trying to conceive. So can you just share 
maybe a tip or two of, you know, ways to maintain your mental health around this time, or like, what are some ways to, to cope? Just mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know that may look different for everyone. It will. It will. It will absolutely look different for everyone. And so, actually, the first tip I will suggest is, um, you know, it's really important for you to take a moment to yourself to really ask yourself, what do you need in this journey or in this experience that you're going through? Because it will look different for everyone. And even if you have a friend or family member going through a similar thing, and they might need one thing, and and that thing might not resonate with you at all. So, really, you know, taking some time and some space to really sit with yourself and ask yourself, what do I need to continue to endure or experience this this really hard journey? Because that's what it is. It it will feel like a a hard journey. Um, And when we go on hard journeys, regardless of what it is, we need extra support. We need extra care. We need time for ourselves to like reboot and refresh and, you know, re-energize. And so ask yourself really, what is it that you need? I think another tip that can be really helpful is grounding. And so with grounding, the purpose of grounding is really just to remind your mind and your body of where you are in the current moment, the here and now. And what we know in psychology is that being in the here and now as much as possible really helps to reduce stress, reduce anxiety, reduce depressive symptoms, because we're not too far in the future and we're not too back in the past. And so really being in that present moment, that's why meditation is so useful, because it helps you to really be in the present moment. Um, So ways to ground yourself, maybe try a meditation practice, uh, maybe once or twice a day, three, five minutes max, if you're new to this. Um, Also, I found that gratitude practice can be really grounding. And so what I want to emphasize, though, because I know that we just talked about people trying to remind you of what you should be grateful for, that does Mm -hmm. not work. Mm -hmm. But you being intentional on your own about what you're grateful for. So it coming from you can be really helpful in this moment and in this journey for you, because it'll help to ground you in the things that are happening right now that do still feel good. So taking it in your hands and really a gratitude practice can be super helpful. But then also I will recommend therapy absolutely for everybody. (laughs) So if you are going through a journey where you're trying to conceive or experiencing fertility, secondary fertility issues, absolutely try to connect with a therapist to talk you through that process because it it doesn't have to be something that you go through alone. There will be mental and emotional things that come up for you during this journey. It's not just about your physical body, but also your mental and emotional care too. So, um, you know, definitely touch based with a therapist will be super helpful. I like what you said about checking in with yourself. I think that's something that we, you know, a lot of women, especially when you're busy and on the go, that's something that we don't take a minute or a second to do. Um, I think that's, that was such a great, great tip and a way to just make sure like, you know, am I good? How do I feel today? Where do I go from here? Um, I love that you shared that. I want to bring up the topic of body image briefly. I mean, it's, it's so complex and I know we won't have all the time to, to talk about it, but especially when you're going through, you know, fertility challenges or just any health challenge, really, I think that, you know, sometimes it can bring about like negative feelings around your body. And I've seen that with some of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I work with a lot of clients that or a lot of people that have PCOS. And for those that don't know, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so, um, you know, sometimes with PCOS, you may have like excess hair growth, you know, on your jawline or, um, maybe you're going through infertility. So you might feel like your body isn't doing what it's supposed to. I've I've heard that. So that's why I'm saying it. Um, 
excessive weight changes, all these types of things. And, and, you know, um, there can be just so many, um, type of health challenges that would bring these feelings. So for someone on this, um, journey to body love or body like, or body neutrality, I I like to say that too, because I feel like body love is something that a lot of people may not ever get to, or even want to get to, Mm -hmm. but where can someone, you know, um, kind of, where does someone begin, you know, towards Mm -hmm. the road to that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, the very first thing actually that comes to mind so many things, but one is really tapping into community to help support you through this journey. And I, I don't think that's often the first, um, thing that people would think about, but I know that you have an amazing community that supports women. I, I also have an amazing community that supports women. And in our community, we literally just started a small group around, um, loving our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so that, that having a community of other women who can understand it and can support you through that can be so healing and helpful. But I think, you know, another first place to start is really to just understand how it is you actually feel about your body, even if it is, you know, negative or, you know, not so positive, like really just coming to a place. So again, sitting with yourself and really asking, you know, how do I feel about my body? Maybe even like look in the mirror at yourself and just really look and, and, and be honest with yourself. How am I feeling? And that will help you know where you need to go. So if it is that you're mostly feeling very negative things about your body, the goal should be body neutrality, you know? And I love that you said that because for someone who really has a lot of dislike and maybe even hate for their body, the idea of body love can feel so foreign that it it feels like they're not capable of that. And so maybe the first stop for them is just, how can I just become neutral about my body? How can I just, you know just see it for what it is. Or if you notice that you have a mix of like positive and negative feelings, maybe your first stop might be like body like, um, and then you can graduate to body love. So I, I think that's the first step, like really figuring out what, how it is you actually feel about your body. I think a deeper level that we can go to is really learning where did we get these ideas about our body from. So I actually am going through a a journey with my body. You know, I do have PCOS and I've exactly what you just said I've gone through, you know, feeling like there was something wrong with my body, feeling like I'm not as womanly because I have more facial hair or have places in my body that just don't feel good to me. Um, And so really uncovering like, okay, this is how I feel about my body, but also noticing that there's a lot of things that I say about my body that I heard my mom say. Mm-hmm. about her body or there's a lot of things that I feel about my body that I know that maybe my dad would mention about other people's bodies and so really trying to separate like this is what I've I've internalized some negative things about bodies from other people and trying to separate that from how I might feel so that might be some deeper work that's also something that can be done with a therapist but I would say community as you go through this journey, um, really figuring out how you actually feel about your body, but then also determining like, is this how I really feel? Or is this just something that I picked up along the way from somewhere else? Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Amber. Um, You know, body image, it's it's a lifelong journey and there's so many transitions um, and it's meant to evolve. And one day might be, you know, better than the other. Um, But I want to know, apart from you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of throughout these um, 
just kind of maintaining your mental health, finding a therapist, what are some other ways uh, someone can get some help? Are there any favorite resources that you have? Mm -hmm. Ooh, so as far as finding a therapist, I always recommend therapy for black girls. Um, that is a place where you can find a therapist who might work with women of color, or if you're wanting a black therapist or a woman of color therapist, you can find them there. I also recommend checking out psychology today. Um, there's a really great, um, like, catalog of therapists that are registered there that you can find. But also if you have insurance and want to utilize your insurance, definitely reach out to your insurance company um, and they can provide you with a list of providers that use their insurance or take their insurance so that you can be covered that way too. So those are always good places to go. Um, and I highly recommend that. Love that. I've heard a lot of great things about ther therapy for black girls. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a question I like to ask our listeners on every episode, and that is, how do you flourish? Ooh, I flourish in community. Absolutely. And I just have to bring it back to community. I'm, I'm so grateful for our Balanced Working Mama community, because even though it's a community that I, I've I started to help other women. It's supporting me in ways that I didn't really realize would happen. And it's helping me grow, you know, being connected with other women. It's helping me learn so much more about myself and my potential. And so I'm really flourishing. And, you know, I that's why I respect what you're doing, because I know that you are building a community of women and so that they can support each other. And I just think we really flourish in that community when we're not isolated, when we're not feeling alone. So that's how I flourish. I love that because that is just, that's just so me. I love community. See, Dr. Amber, you guys, she's just one of a kind. Okay. She's one of a kind. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please leave a kind rating and review. Share with a girlfriend of yours. Let's spread the word. Let's continue to have these conversations. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. Until next time, keep flourishing. Thank you.